everybody, this is Mike Van Meter and welcome to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything having to do with freedom, the Constitution, patriotism, and frankly, just the best way to live your life. And I wanted to share with you the speeches that were given at my uh, state senate uh, campaign kickoff last Saturday on February 18th, and we had a great lineup of in, of speakers, and I just wanted to share this with you because it was so exciting to hear great people talk about the future of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and as you know, we have a uh, election coming up November 7th, and we are going to win the state Senate back for the Republican Party here in Virginia, and the governor has made this a priority, and we are making it a priority, and we are going to get these seats back because we have to straighten the course of the Commonwealth of Virginia to make this the place that it can be, that we want it to be, and there's just so much potential in this state, and you know, after two years of the COVID lockdowns and the destruction that was really forced upon the people of Virginia. We're going to get this all straightened out. And we are expressing our vision. And and you're going to hear uh, some leaders in the community talk here in a few moments. And you're going to hear me talk about my vision. And we're going to talk about the election. And so here's the timeline uh, for how this is going to work. We have the first deadline is going to be April 6th. And that's the deadline for any other Republican candidates to declare to run against me. Right now, there's no one running against me and no rumors of anyone running against me. But if you do want to run, just let me know and we can talk about it. But right now, there are no other candidates. Now, on the Democrat side, we have uh, Jennifer Foy and we have Hala Ayala uh, primarying against one another. Whoever wins that uh, will then uh, go ahead and run against me. And again, the election is November 7th. Now, uh, again, I said the, the deadline to file is April 6th. And then if somebody does run against me, then the primary will be uh, June 20th. And so that's the timeline. Now, if no one does run against me, then after April 6th, then I am the Republican candidate. But we kicked off the campaign officially. Now, as many of you know, I had announced really some time ago, but this was the official kickoff. And it was a great day to celebrate and bring uh, all of my friends in and supporters. And it was just a great time. And so with that, I want to share with you the speeches. And in these speeches, I had um, my good friend, Ray Houck. He's a retired Navy captain chaplain. He did the invocation. And then uh, Brett Holbrook. Brooke, my uh, campaign manager, was the MC, and then we're going to have some talks from Steve Maxwell running for Spotsylvania County Sheriff, Mike Allers running for the 28th District State Senate seat, um, oh, and we have the uh, retired General Bob Wood, who actually started off the, the speeches, and just a great guy, and he is with American Veterans Vote, and what a great patriot, what a great man, and I was just honored and delighted to have uh, all of these men speak for me, and it was wrapped up with Sergio De, De La Pena, and um, what a great patriot as well, and you're going to hear from him, and I really just like the vision that he has, and the thoughts uh, that he presented in his presentation as well, so uh, here you are. And without further ado, here are the speeches. Uh, we're going to start this off tonight with the uh, correct way and most of our Republican meetings we do. We're going to start with an invocation. Join me now. All right, thanks. Hi, I'm Ray. I just retired uh, 41 years as a Navy chaplain, so I met Mike at the gym. 
So I, I haven't uh, been particularly political, but uh, I like Mike. Mike's the real deal, and I appreciate the invitation. So I invite you all to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to come together around such a great fellowship, and it's always better to have a small room with a lot of people than a big room with no people. So we thank you for your graciousness, for bringing everybody here safely. Lord God, thank you for Mike, for his family, for all those who know and love him through the years, and his willingness to throw his hat in the ring and to make this uh, state and this country better for all of us. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to, as Micah 6.8 says, love, walk with justly love mercy walk humbly with god so we thank you for your grace toward this food and our fellowship amen amen all right everybody please stand join me in saying pledge allegiance Okay, once again, for those of you who don't know, I'm Brett Holbrook, and I'm uh, working for Mike. I jokingly say I'm his chief cook and bottle washer. You know, whatever needs to be done gets done, hopefully. And uh, our first, we're going to start off with a few speakers. We're going to have uh, General Bob Woods going to come up here in a second. And um, we're, after that, we're going to have Sheriff Maxwell. Then we're going to have um, Mike, sorry, <laughs> Allers. Sorry about that. And then uh, we're going to have Colonel Sergio De La Pena introduce Mike Van Meter. And then we're going to have him speak for a few minutes. Yeah, okay, yeah, a few hours. All right. So if I could, uh, General Wood, please. Uh, General Wood is 36 years retired, uh, retired Army. He's uh, had several commands throughout all the theaters of war that our country has gone to. And his, uh, his, he was also on Reagan's National Security Council, which is one of the things that jumped up out of my when I looked through his bio. And I know I'm doing him a little injustice and not going over everything that's on his bio, but without further ado, General Wood. Well, thank you. I think you're, uh, you're showing mercy on this crowd by not going through the whole thing. Uh, I do appreciate the opportunity to support Mike to begin with, but most importantly, to talk to you and talk to you about Mike. A uh, person I've gotten to know in the last three years uh, where he has uh, been an able and stalwart supporter of veterans. Uh, in particular, uh, I can't send a speaker to Mike that he can. Is it uh, interrogate? Is that the word? Interrogate from the FBI all days. No, he uh, he's a great podcaster. He's done a great job talking to a lot of different audiences about a lot of qualified people who intend to do great things for the state of Virginia or a variety of other things. So Mike and I have gotten to know each other very well. So I, I got, he asked me if I'd come and speak for a moment. I said, I'd love to. If you take a look a little bit at his uh, bio, which maybe you have or haven't, but on the website, you can find anything and everything you ever wanted to know. First thing I noticed was that he's a helicopter pilot in the Navy. Now, I'm an Army guy, and I, I can handle that because my brother was a helicopter pilot. pilot. Um, and frankly, when I saw that, it reminded me of my brother in Vietnam. He uh, had a lot of different types of duties. He, he flew a light observation helicopter, a loach. 
so he could uh, bring uh, bring fire down on the Ho Chi Minh Trail and handle the whole targeting business. It was a very dangerous place to be in, and he came back with uh, a lot of different problems. Uh, and however, was a wonderful, wonderful person who could speak to veterans right where they were. He could go to them and talk to them and speak to them about what they accomplished, what they succeeded at that point in their life, and whatever whatever they were doing, whatever they were going through, he could bring them back to that point and was able to speak them off the street. Working in Seattle, that wasn't an easy task. So I was very proud of my brother and what he did. He taught me a lot. We talked a lot about the things that uh, were important to us, as brothers do. I remember I was heading into Desert Storm, and he had been in Vietnam, and he sent me a letter. I saved the letter. I think I've lost the last sheet of it. But uh, I just remember one thing, and he says, friendly fire is not. Just remember that, which was important because as a field artillery officer, you know, I was uh, I was in charge of a lot of fires, and my battalion was doing a lot of good work. But he, we also talked about another thing that was important to each of us, and that was he was always talking about his squadron leader or his patrol leader or whoever it was. He was a warrant officer. And we talked about leadership quite a bit. And uh, it became pretty clear between he and I that uh, there's essentially you understand and, and you're in the military or a veteran, you immediately understand a lot of different things. You can identify BS at about 100 yards, but you also can understand what a good leader is, what it means. Leaders, two different types of people, I think, that try to get in that game. There's people who understand what they do and there's people that understand what you do that they can put their self in your place and get outside themselves and realize the importance of the team. That was his point of view. That was my point of view. And I carried that forward. And really, it helped me quite a bit for many, many years, 36 years in the military. Uh, that and my father's stern guidance when he commissioned me out of West Point was, listen to your NCOs and don't volunteer for anything. <laughs> and that saved me from myself so many times. Um, so many times. But Bill was just a tremendous person. Um, unfortunately, uh, Agent Orange and uh, PTSD kind of got the best of him. Um, but uh, I think of him often, and, and I think of Mike when I think of my brother. Here's a gentleman that uh, has a remarkable set of qualities. Uh, he's been to school a lot, right? You got another degree going right now? I know you did. I, I tried to write a list of them, but they have such long names, I have a hard time. You know, it started out in uh, political science. That might have something to do with what's going on here from uh, Florida. Uh, and human relations, that out of Oklahoma, I think. Uh, then he had a chance to uh, really teach and uh, frankly, counsel. You'll see the word counsel in his bio quite a bit. A counselor, a teacher, a mentor, a leader. He went on to uh, create courses that dealt with really the human problems of addiction, uh, with the problems of alcoholism. He taught many of you, some of you perhaps in the FBI, uh, in various skill sets that he had learned, both as a policeman, as an agent, uh, and later on as a, an instructor in the FBI Academy in, in uh, Quantico. He was very proud of that. When we first met, he went through his whole FBI background, gave me every date and every uh, every moment he ever had there. He was so proud of it. I said, are you a veteran too? He said, oh yeah, I was in the Navy. Uh, he was so proud of that ascending set of responsibilities, so proud of the courses he was teaching, so proud of what he was doing to help people who needed a help at a critical time in their life. Back to my brother. Absolutely. He's worth every bit of what he's done, he's earned. 
And it came down to me, really, it occurred to me that when I look at all the problems, everything from what happened in Afghanistan to what's happening in Ohio today, what are we looking, the absence of what? Leadership. As much as I'd like to talk to every issue, which I know every speaker here will cover, I want to talk about, quickly, about Mike as a leader. He's got the skills, you can know it from his resume. He's got the character, you know what he's accomplished. And he has something else that he's really learned to do. He likes to talk and listen, you know that from everything you know about him. He has empathy. I didn't say sympathy. I said empathy. He puts himself in the other person, may I say constituents, point of view. He puts himself in a community listening carefully to what's being said as opposed to listening to himself rattle off whatever should be said. Mike has tremendous empathy. And by the way, that's different than sympathy. It's kind of like the difference between equality and equity. You know, you got to pay attention to the, to the word. Sympathy, I think, has a lot of uh, left-wing stalwarts who are very sympathetic about things, whether they're standing out of fence down on the border um, or they're uh, providing talking points in front of a crowd that's worried about their drinking water. A lot of sympathy. Mike is about empathy. He puts himself where his audience is, most importantly where his constituents are, and understands the problem from their point of view, not his perspective. And for that reason, I think you're extremely lucky in the Senate District 33, the new district, to have a man who's willing to step into the fray, has that level of education, that level of character, and has the empathy to listen and act, not on what he thinks is best, but what you ask him to do. It's about not understanding his job, it's understanding what you need. And I am positive from what I've seen, what I've learned, and what I understand from his background, you're getting the right man in the right time. It's pretty critical. So ladies and gentlemen, with strong endorsement, I'd like to say, please vote for Mike. Thank you, General. We have a uh, next up. We have Steve Maxwell. I know I called you Sheriff earlier. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, He's going to be Sheriff. He will be Sheriff. Yeah, that's uh, positive vibes. Positive, positive vibes. Uh, he was a former Army CID investigator in narcotics, was it? And uh, he's worked on a couple different police stations. Gotten a, or just one where you did get ahead. He progressively got um, promoted. Did did great work as a police officer, and he's currently still a federal law enforcement officer. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to let him fill in the rest of the blanks. Steve Sheriff Maxwell. Thanks, Brett. And, and we're going to speak it anyway. So uh, like Brett said, my name is Steve Maxwell. I'm running for the Spotsylvania County uh, Sheriff's seat. Uh, that is uh, this year, this election year. And uh, that's why Mike called me and asked me to come and talk tonight. Um, my background is very, very similar uh, to Mike's other than he's more educated, better looking, and has better hair. But um, other than that, <laughs> it's, it's like we were brothers. So... I was very excited um, when I started my race down in Spotsylvania. It was an exciting thing. But what became more exciting over the last year that we've been laying in grounds, grassroots and a foundation for our election? Because uh, you're going to notice something with a lot of the speakers up here tonight. And, you know, with Mike and the guy I'm going to bring up that I'm, I'll be excited to do that is none of us have ever been in politics before. You know, none of us started it from a position uh, of the anointed 
thing from the Republican Party or any other party. We all wanted to serve our county and our country the way we always have. And I'm excited to have developed a friendship with someone like Mike Van Meter, who has been a servant all of his life. And that's a special thing. And you have to understand that Mike's going at this for all the right reasons, right? He's not doing this out of another stepping stone to, to do the next thing. That so many of our politicians that we've all voted for, right, in, in, in our lifetimes have done. But Mike Van Meter is actually doing this because he wants to serve his district. He wants to serve the Commonwealth the way he's done from his time as, as a pilot to the time when he was a Washington, D.C. police officer to the time he left that to become an FBI agent. And from there, and here's the other thing, then does a 180 and becomes all these degreed a counselor and, and the uh, mental health and addictions and all the things, the bad things that he saw while he was serving other people like you and me. And he said, there's got to be a better way. There's a different way. And he went ahead and stepped up and stood in the gap when very few people are willing to do that. You know, that's what, that's the kind of servant heart that Mike has. And that's why he and I hit it off so well. Because I knew from the minute that I met Mike that he had that servant's heart. And that's going to be very, very important to all of us in the state house here in our Commonwealth of Virginia. Because right now we got a bunch of people there that don't care about other people. They care about what's in it for them. And we all know that. But yet we've always continued to vote for the same people time in, time out, time in, and time out. And I think it's just about time that we get somebody like Mike Van Meter, who's willing to stand up and stand in the gap and do the right thing for us in the 33rd district. Because he's willing to take those shots because he's been doing it his whole life, right? As, as his background, it's just evident from what he's done his whole life. And, you know, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here to support Mike. And, and here's what's great about that is tonight, it's just a small snippet of the support that's going to come out for Mike Van Meter this election year. Just a small, and, and you're all on that ground floor of it because you're here tonight. Now what we have to do is take it to the next level, right? The next level is whenever Brett says, here's the next thing that we're doing for Mike, it's not just about you now. You see, you made a commitment to Mike by being here. But now what's your commitment to you, your family and your community by saying, I'm already voting for Mike. How many people can we get to the next thing for Mike, right? Not just you. How many can we get to the next thing? And then the next thing. Because that's how this works. That's why we have the greatest country in the world. Because we are a republic to be able to do that. So I'm here asking for you. There's going to be somebody else that's going to ask you for, you know, what we have in our wallets. Because... Every election, and I'm learning this, elections aren't free, right? <laughs> it costs money. So I'm hoping that we all here tonight will help support Mike in that financial endeavor as it is because it is a very expensive thing. But it's not just that, right? As somebody told me today it was your time and treasure that it run every campaign, but time, because we can't get that back, right? 
more importantly. So let's not waste this time. We get one shot at this thing. We're all here on this ball of mud for just a short time anyway, but we only have one shot. And this election is our one shot to help change the 33rd and make it the Republican district that it deserves to be. And it deserves to be headed up by a guy with the integrity like Mike Van Meter. So I promise to keep this short because I, you all don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the guy that we're all here to celebrate tonight and tell him how much. And I hope this is what you do tonight. You walk up to Mike and tell him thank you for standing in the gap yet again because he's going to do that for you. So now we need to stand in the gap for him. So let's bring out more people for Mike in every one of these events. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Steve. Next, we have Mike, uh, Mike Allers running for Senate down in the 28th, just south of here. And he's also uh, did some time um, in the service. Did, is, yeah, did. Hard time, hard time. No, he's, that's how he met Mike. No, I'm kidding. He's a retired, retired police officer and uh, definitely support him on his campaign if you're that far south. There you go. That's okay. Uh, you know, some of the guys I worked with when I was a cop would say it was doing time. But no, I'm a retired police officer from Long Island. Uh, my name is Mike Allers. I'm also, I just retired January 13th after 28 years in education. So I went from the police department into teaching, and then I was an administrator for 14 years, and then I finished up my career in fourth grade, teaching fourth grade. So great, great job. So I kind of know what Mike's going through. Mike's in a very blue district. Try being conservative in education. Try that out. So, you know, if you look at Mike's website, Mike has three basic pillars that he's building this career on. He has it built on health, safety, and education. Mike's background fulfills all of those pillars. Mike's currently in the health field right now. He's working as a behavioral therapist. He's an amazingly dedicated man to that end. Mike is very much into our safety. Mike was a police officer in D.C. and certainly a, uh, an FBI agent, certainly vested in our safety as a nation. And then Mike is also completely vested in education. He went out and got a behavioral therapist degree that he just graduated in, I think, August of 22. I mean, not too many people do that at his, I was going to say advanced, but his mature age. <laughs> not too many people do that. And you know what? That's what drew kind of us together. So let me tell you about the night I met Mike. About a year ago, a little less than a year ago, I was at an event, and I just kicked off my campaign for the 28th district, and I'm not a politician, so I was going through this very, you know, slowly trying to figure it all out. And one night, we're in Culpeper at this church. It's in the way back road, road of Culpeper, a really rural spot. And we're in there, and this man stands up, and he wasn't standing up on his own behalf. He was standing up as a surrogate for another candidate, Gina Ciarcia, and he was there to just to speak as a friend for her because she couldn't make it that night. So I'm listening to this guy, and I said, why is he a surrogate? I mean, you just listen. Once Mike opens his mouth and starts to talk, there's never a script, but it's just solutions. It's leadership, like you said, sir. It is just 
answers to problems that so many folks have. And he just espoused so much greatness and integrity that I'm sitting there going, this guy can't be a surrogate. This guy needs to be a candidate. So I'm going to take a little credit for that. So he and I, were we met out in the parking lot, and I said, listen, I got to talk to you. You cannot be just a surrogate. You need to be a candidate. You are cut from a cloth that will allow you to be very successful. And we talked for what, two hours, two, two, two plus hours? And we could do that very easily, he and I. And they did. It was a quiet church area, and the two of us were just getting kind of rowdy, laughing, comparing, you know, some old war stories. But the bottom line is, shortly after that, he said, you know what, Mike, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to tackle this area, this 33rd district that is very blue. And it doesn't matter. I'll tell you why, folks. The folks that he's going to run against, either Foy or Ayala, aren't, cannot compete with this man. It doesn't matter. He is a man who is all heart. Sir, you said empathy. Mike definitely can empathize with so many folks' plights. We're dealing with so many things today with the, the rates of suicide and the facts that families are so, you know, in such turmoil. And we're dealing with so many things with addiction. We're dealing with different, uh, you know, substance abuse and, and process abuses, things of those natures that Mike speaks to. He's got two podcasts. One is about addictions. One's about politics. And he's just really the kind of guy you want to listen to, the kind of guy you want to go for solutions, and certainly expect to be a leader in your future and in your community. I endorse him wholeheartedly. We have a cadre building with him, himself, myself, Steve, Matt Strickland up in uh, Fredericksburg. We're building this cadre of non-politicians who are running for office, which we need to do. We need to rescue Virginia. And if we win this seat, in the 33rd seat, it moves the Senate one step closer to having Republican control. And that's what we need. So folks, if you can, like Steve had mentioned, reach down deep. It's an expensive venture doing this. If you could do that for uh, Mike this evening, send him a check. He takes them by mail. He doesn't have a donate button yet, I found out. But he definitely takes, he will need donations to help him go forward because it's nice for us to support him in spirit, but we need to support him with our wallets as well. Trust me, I've been doing it for a year. It's expensive. Michael, congratulations on doing this. This is a fantastic start, buddy. And we are all here for you, and we can't wait to help you win this seat. Thank you, sir. Okay, and next we have Colonel Sergio Della Pena. I first met this gentleman a couple years ago on the campaign trail, and uh, one of the things that always stuck out for me for him was his humility from cotton fields to uh, colonel. That was your phrase. He's a, he retired Army, and he was working for the Trump transition team. Uh, we were both in a Homeland Defense and American Security Affairs about the same time in the Pentagon. It's a very storied career. Without further ado, just to uh, um, turn it over to him, and uh, most of you in here remember him. If he, did, if he wasn't your first vote, he was darn sure your second. I know that for a fact. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I, I can't add much more to what he said. I am the cotton picker come gubernatorial candidate. And only in the United States of America can you do that. Only in this wonderful country. I came here not speaking a word of English, and it took me about a year, and I picked it up, sort of. 
Anyway, so I I, I want to just reiterate why we're here. We're here to get Mike to win. We want Mike to win. So if you'll just bear with me and let everybody in that restaurant know that we're here, I would like you to repeat three words. Go, Mike, go. Let's try it. Go, Mike, go. Go, Mike, go. Go, Mike, go. Okay. So I'm, I want to start by giving a little bit of a history lesson because I, I, I love this part of, of Virginia. This is the longest I've ever lived in any place in my life. But Virginia is the cradle of the American experiment that created the greatest good for the world in the history of humanity. Bar none. No other country in the world has done that. It is the birthplace of the American dream. No other country has an American dream. No other country, you can call it whatever country you, you, you come from and then add dream to it, but that's not the way it works. It's only the American dream. This is also the same commonwealth that created the first four of five U.S. presidents. It is also the brain trust for the greatest documents that have been written in humanity other than the Bible, and that's the Declaration of Independence in our Constitution. It came from Virginia. Virginia is the birthplace of what makes America tick. The General Assembly is the longest living democratic institution in the world. Started here in Virginia. Now, unfortunately, we were moving along great. Everything was going in our direction. And then all of a sudden, we had President Obama get elected. And he spoke of the transformation, the fundamental transformation of the United States. What does that mean? General Wood can appreciate that because he and I spent our careers fighting against communism. And it comes in all sorts of shades and sizes. But at the end of the day, it's Marxist socialist ideology that the transformation of America was all about. And so what we saw is a series of Democratic governors in Virginia that decided that that's the route they wanted to take. They deviated from what the traditions of this commonwealth were all about. So we ended up with the trifecta of Wreck-It Ralph. That guy changed every conceivable law to move in the, in the direction of what is socialist ideology, which includes critical race theory. We talked about equity. Equity means equal outcomes. Who came up with equal outcomes? It was Marx. That's why when you hear the word equity, that's run in the opposite direction, go against it. And when we talk about wokeism, that's just a disguise for the same thing. So Virginians decided this is not acceptable. So in the last election cycle, we elected Governor Glenn Youngkin, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, and Attorney General Jason Miares. And we took back the House of Delegates. What's missing? The Senate. If we do not get back the Senate, we're going to move in a very slow pace 
to change all of the crazy things that these people have put into effect. Look at some of the key things that they have now put into Virginia law. Look at how they've taken the responsibility of caring for our children and turned it over to school administrators that don't want to share what they're doing to our children. That's indoctrination. They focused on that. Look at what they've done to the way that they treat our police officers. We've got some police officers here. They've gone in exactly the wrong direction. They coddle criminals and they go against the police. Look at abortion. They've taken abortion to the extreme that no other state in the union has taken. You have actually legalized infanticide. So what are we going to do about that? We're going to get Mike over the top because Mike is the person that can counter all of these things that have been occurring in our wonderful commonwealth. He's about safe neighborhoods. He's about meaningful work. And he's about strong families. Now, when we talk about strong families, how are we going to strengthen our families if the teachers get a shot at our kids first to indoctrinate instead of educate? How are we going to have meaningful work when we're being taxed to death and you've got small businesses that are being shut down? In the meantime, the big ticket stores are getting preferable treatment because they're working in collaboration with the government. And also think about what happened during COVID when they shut things down. They shut down the churches, they opened up the bars, they opened up the marijuana dispensaries, and they wanted to keep us subdued and isolated. This is what they do. Those of us, Maria can tell you about what it is to be in Bolivia. That was a wonderful place when I was going back and forth for a couple of years, uh, back in between 1989 and 1991. And then you had President Morales that took over and look at what happened. It's a mess. I was in Venezuela when Chavez took over. He's practiced the same things that we're seeing here. Mike is, understands this. Mike knows about military service. He understands the way socialism works. And these are the kinds of things that I don't believe we put enough emphasis on. One of the things that I want to emphasize in going ahead is what do we need to do? The biggest challenge that we're going to face is that along with all those other laws that changed, you changed electoral laws. Those laws are in effect today. We wondered why we didn't have more successes during the last election. You had candidates that looked like Joe Biden clones. Look at Mr. Fetterman today, Senator Fetterman. Now, I wish him well. I hope he recovers. But look at where he is today. This guy got elected. The guy wasn't even cognizant of where he is. And he was put forth by the party machine. How did they do that? Early voting, mail-in voting, absentee voting, a political machine in Pennsylvania. So when we talk about, well, we didn't put up, you know, the, the appropriate type of candidates or they, maybe they weren't quite that good. Compare that with Fetterman. 
So what we need to do is when we go knocking on doors at the beginning of voting season, we need to start playing chess instead of checkers. We cannot give ourselves the luxury of waiting to the last minute to vote. And let me give you one example. I have a young lady that lives with us now who is my daughter's business partner. She's from North Dakota, wonderful young lady. And on, the, on election day, I was frustrated. I said, do me a favor. You haven't voted yet. Go tell them you're going to live in Virginia, which she is. Go over and register and vote. Guess what? She registered and voted for same day. That's legal. Guess who else is taking advantage of that? Guess who else wrote the rules to be able to take advantage of that? So when we go knocking on doors, you get them registered, you get them to the polls, you get the ballots into the box. Otherwise, we're going to be looking at election day, waiting for Northern Virginia to come in, or in this case, we are in Northern Virginia, and you're going to say, wow, they pulled out another X number of votes out of somebody's desk drawer. This happens every time. We've got to stop being Lucy. Well, we got to stop being Charlie Brown and let Lucy take the football and make a fool out of us. So I ask you, I beg you, all of you, go out and get people to register, get people to vote. We have church communities. We have school communities. We have friends. And you can help them within the law to harvest votes. If we don't do that, we will lose. We keep losing when everything looks like it's about ready to go, and at the last minute, all these votes just pop up. Cannot afford to do that again. And we've got a man here who's already, you know, everybody's been emphasizing the thing on on, uh, on Mike, and you know, when you're the last guy, you're going like, oh, well, I, I thought about doing that. But what, I, what, what struck me most about Mike is service. His life is about service. The Navy, law enforcement, the health sciences, all of that is about service. We are about service. He's our representative. He's the man in the ring. He has my full endorsement. Let's get out there. Let's harvest some votes. Let's not wait to the last minute so that we get clobbered again. And we wonder, well, I thought we had more people. No, we don't. We have to get it done now. And we have to do it within the rules that they've set up. And let's beat them in their own game. Thank you very much. I introduce Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, thank you, everybody, for being here. This is so humbling for me to be here with, with all of you here tonight. Everybody in this room is special to me. And I know all of you, um, in one capacity or another, I've, I've worked with, I, I actually see some people that go back to my police days, you know, uh, 25, 30 years ago. And, and that's, that's phenomenal. Well, we weren't there at the same time, not because you're a lot younger than I am, but, uh, you know, it really, it, at this point in my life, it, it's amazing that this much time has passed, you know, between the Navy and seeing all the veterans that are here and, and the police department. By the way, one thing I actually don't emphasize a whole lot, and I should, uh, but because I, I didn't do it for very long, but before I was a police officer, I was a corrections officer. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. So, um, you know, Mike might know the end. Where's Mike? Allard is there. You know, he might have... I worked in the jail. I think you spent time in the jail. Yeah, you did. We both did time. And... Uh, 
but I did do that, and then I went to the police department, and then um, and then to the FBI. And I see so many people here uh, that I've worked with over the years in the FBI. People from spin classes, e- even. You know, Ray. I see Emily back there. You know, teaching spin. But and there's so many people in here that I could mention by name, and it would take all night to do that, and you'd lose the will to live. So we're not going to do that. But uh, I, I listen. This is incredibly humbling to me, incredibly humbling to me. And first and foremost, I want to thank God for the opportunity to be here. Because the way that I, I look at running for office is this this is just another form of service. And one of the things I hate, believe it or not, hate doing is talking about myself. Two things. I hate talking about myself and I hate asking for money. And that's what politics is all about. I hate it. But I do look at this opportunity as being another form of service in serving the community. That's that's where I'm at in my life. That's what it's all about. I, like you, am very disturbed with the direction that the nation nation is taking. I'm disturbed with the direction that the, the Commonwealth is, 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 is taken, and we have to do something about it. We cannot depend on other people to do this for us. You understand that? Mike Allers loves this saying, and that is, we need the adults back in the room. We need the adults back in the room. And I know I have a lot of educators in here. And what has put the Commonwealth of Virginia on the map recently is education, is it not? We were the epicenter here in Loudoun County, the epicenter for the indoctrination of children. And who knew that the school board held, well had the power that it had? But we know now, don't we? You know, at all these events, these political events I go to, we, we will have delegates running. We'll have a couple of senators, you know, here and there running. But do you know what the most popular office to run for right now is? School board, right? It's the school board. Because you come between parents and their children, and people get very, very upset, do they not? But you know something? This We allowed this to happen. We allowed this to happen. These people have taken this state from us, this great commonwealth that we live in. And Virginia is a great state, and they've taken it from us, and we have to take it back. We have to. The governor, two weeks ago, was on the Lauren Ingram show. I don't know if you saw him. And what did he say we needed to do? What did he say we needed to do? We need to flip the Senate. We have the governor's mansion. We have the House delegates. We need two seats in the Senate. Two. Well, we've got three of them here. We have Miss Julie Perry back there. She's going to get elected. We have Mike Allers over here. He's going to get elected. Yeah. By the way, I see my good friend uh, Jim Miles back there. Jim Miles, one of my mentors. That's it. So, so look at that. We've got four seats. Governor Yunkin, if you're listening, and I know you're going to listen to this this live stream here, we have four seats right here in this room for the Virginia State Senate. We got it. Four seats right here. And we're going to do it because those of you that know Jennifer Foy, Carol Foy, and Hala Ayala, you know that they are both bad for the Commonwealth. They're both equally bad for the Commonwealth. And we need to do something about this. Because let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Is crime better or worse than it was two years ago, three years ago? Worse. Worse. Every measurable statistic. 
every statistic has gone up. In some places, and my good friend from Washington, D.C. back there, 400%. Homicide has increased 400%. Why did that happen? Demonization of the police. Demonization of the police. Beating the police down. The people that serve you every single day. People that do things that most people would never do. Never do. I worked in the streets of D.C. as a police officer, and let me tell you something. There are very few people that would ever do that. I went to work every day at great risk to myself. And it is shameful what we've done to our law enforcement. And that's going to end in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's going to end. Now, what we saw happen in Memphis... We predicted two years ago, did we not, that that was going to happen. I did a podcast two years ago after the Minneapolis incident, and I said, you keep beating the police the way that you're doing it. No one's going to be a police officer. No one will want to do this job. It's a thankless job anyway. You sure as hell don't do it for the money. No one's going to do this job. And if you don't like the police now, you're really not going to like the police down the road. And we saw what happened in Memphis. People who should never have been in law enforcement were in law enforcement. So what we're going to be doing in the coalition that we have put together, just so you know, we are making public safety the number one priority. And I have bills that I'm going to introduce into the state house, making that so and making sure that we recruit the best and the brightest. We're going to raise the standards, not lower the standards. And if you've ever listened to Mike and I and Steve talk about law enforcement, we are going to make Virginia police officers in particular the best educated police officers in the union. And we're going to do that. Let me ask you something else. When you're sitting down and talking to a sheriff like I have, uh, Sheriff Glenn Hill in Prince William County, Chief Newsham, Prince William County. And you sit down and you talk to him. Who do you think he'd rather talk to? Me or Jennifer Foy or Hala Ayala? If you were the chief of the sheriff, would you talk to either one of these people after they've, they wanted to do away with your agency and the people in it, would you? Of course not. Of course you would not want to do that. That has to change. And we're going to do that. We have talked extensively about uh, raising the standards in Virginia and actually creating units for training. Because as many of you know, that not only was I in law enforcement for uh, close to 25 years between the police department and the FBI, but did a lot of training. We have the ability to put together training teams and even academies. Mike and I have talked about that, actually putting together a police college, a police college and making this the best. We can be we can be the shining star in the union. Along with that, uh, I work, as many of you know, we talked about tonight, I work in the, um, the therapy field. I'm a behavioral therapist at a major hospital here. Um, one of the things that, that's opened my eyes to the whole healthcare industry, and we are incredibly short on nurses and therapists. It, it's just incredibly short. Um, and if you, you think about it, it's very expensive to go through the school. It's a very long process. Let me just share with you. Um, I see we got a few Navy helicopter pilots back there, at least a couple, right? Go Navy. But it took me longer to become a, behavior, a basic level behavioral therapist than to become a Navy pilot. Okay, was that necessary? I don't think so. We can, uh, our system to becoming licensed to work in the Commonwealth is completely outdated, completely antiquated, and we're going to change that. And I'm going to put together panels to work on that. To get nurses, to get people into the behavioral health field. Because let me ask you this, who in here in this room doesn't know somebody that suffers from an addiction? 
Is there anybody? Whether it's a, a chemical addiction or a process addiction. Notice nobody says that they don't know someone. Do you know that I've talked to thousands of people, thousands of people, and I've never had somebody say that they didn't know somebody with an addiction issue. Can you name any other subject that where that applies? I can't think of one. We have an incredible problem in this nation with addiction that needs to be addressed. I go to the hospital every single day. And by the way, I look around and I don't see Hala Ayala or Jennifer Carol Foy at all helping these people. And I watch people that are dying from fentanyl that is coming across our borders and it's affecting our youth. And it's not just fentanyl, all the other addictions are there too. And nothing is being done about it. We're not even trying. Do you guys understand that? This is a priority of Governor Yunkin. It's a, it should be a priority in the Virginia uh, Senate. I do not believe that it's a priority in the Virginia Senate. All we've heard about over the last couple of years is COVID, 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 COVID. Let me tell you something. The problem that we have in this country is addiction. That is the pandemic that we have. And that is something that we need to do something about. The governor uh, a couple of weeks ago also talked about the Chinese coming in and buying up property in Virginia. Did you hear him talk about this? Virginia has some of the largest and most strategic and most important military facilities in the world. Largest naval base right here in Norfolk. And the Chinese are buying up property all around these military bases. The governor wants to prevent that. And I want to prevent that. And we need to prevent that. Because where do you think fentanyl's coming from? Do you think that's by accident? Do you think maybe this is planned? That fentanyl is coming across our borders? Do you think that maybe that there, there's other issues than just the human value in this? The, 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 I believe that this is an attack on the United States. It's a very subtle attack, but it's a very effective attack, is it not? Okay? And then also our education for our children. What the hell happened with our education system? This is an indoctrination system. Every child. There, here's a few things. The, the government has the number one responsibility of government, any government, but particularly ours, is the safety of its people, is it not? That's the number one goal of the government. After all, if you dial 911 right now, you're not calling Walmart. No offense to Walmart, but you're not calling them. You're not calling some other agency. You're calling the police and you're calling the fire departments. That's why there has to be such an importance on that, because the government is solely responsible for your safety. But the government also has a big part in the education of our children. Most kids actually go to public schools, and we have a number of educators, Julie Perry and, and, and Mike Allers, both educators, current teacher right now, and, um, and I hear the stories of what goes on in our public school system. You did hear about the stories, um, I think the last count, I think it was 18 um, schools in Virginia where kids were not uh, told about their National Merit Scholarship uh, opportunity. Did you hear about this? That's discrimination. That needs to end. And I tell you this, I get into the Senate and we've talked about this. And I know all the, the other potential senators in here, we've talked about this. There's going to be an investigation in that. And that's going to end because we have to educate our children to be competitive on the world stage, not just here in the United States, but we need to have preeminence in our education. And we are going to do that. 
We're going to do that. Now, finally, uh, when it comes to money, are you better off financially now? Are, are you? Let me ask you, let me, let me just put a broader question. Are there any areas that we're better off in than we were two years ago? Any? Can, am I wrong about that? Okay, so if you like what's going on, I'm going to ask you to vote for either Hala or Jennifer Carafoy. I'm going to ask you to do that. If you're happy with the way things are now, please do that. If not, vote for me. And the reason why I say vote for me is I don't see any other candidates. I don't see any other candidates running. And we do have the deadline coming up on April 6th. And so we're live streaming right now. And if you want to run, get in the ring and do it now. Because here's the thing, I will tell you this. The one thing I didn't do is sit around and talk about how things have gone down to the toilet over the last few years. I actually got into the ring and decided to do something about it. And I'm talking to a group of people here that care about not only the Commonwealth, but care about the nation. And we are going to depend, all of us, all of the candidates in this room are going to be dependent upon you to get us over the finish line. Now, I live in Northern Virginia. That is a deep, deep blue area of Virginia. But is it impossible? You know, if you're a believer like I am, I don't believe that anything is impossible with the help of God. It's God's will that we take this out. This nation is the example to the rest of the planet. Are we going to lose it? You've heard of these people that are immigrants that have come here. My wife, her family are immigrants, and they came here and got a better life. And are we just going to throw it away, or are we going to give it to these people? We have to have faith back in this nation. We have to have credibility back in this nation. Every single institution, whether it's the, play, uh, the police or all the, the federal institutions, even the DOD now, we've, we're losing faith in these organizations. But the adults are back, Mike. The adults are back in town. And we are not going to let this slip. Integrity back. Integrity back. Now, these two people that I'm running against, they've done nothing but badmouth this country, done nothing but badmouth the institutions. And we're not going to have that. Because as we are in here now, there are people out on these streets patrolling, patrolling these streets, putting themselves on the line for you and I. And they deserve better than what we've given them. Okay? So protection, education, addiction we're going to deal with. And we're going to give you your money back. We are overtaxed. The state has a surplus of funds, and that deserves to go back. But, like Colonel Delapena talked about, one of the things, and one of the first things we're going to address is this election issue, election integrity. They set up the rules. We're going to play by those rules. But as soon as we get in, what we're going to get back to, and it's a, a driving force of mine, is it's going to be election day. It's not going to be election season. If we can decide who... You explain to me how we can determine who who won the Powerball in two minutes, but we can, we take a month to figure out who won a damn election. Exactly. No more. No more, guys. Hey, so I'll just end it with this. I want to thank you all so much. And for uh, General Wood, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Steve, Mike, Colonel De La Pena, and the other candidate. If you're a candidate in here, raise your hand. R raise your hand. Yeah. Folks, we all need your support. We need your support.
And I want to thank uh, Brett, Brett, my campaign manager. Uh, you know, in a lot, I'm going to say she's going to kill me for saying this, but uh, I, I want to thank my family. Because, you know, without my wife, Lily, over here, uh, none of this, uh, her support, you know, she's been with me throughout all the years, you guys, in, in a career. You know, guys, she, she's been with me for, this is 34 years, 34 years that we've been married. Uh, some of you, you can't add up the five marriages and go, hey, I've been married 34 years, too. It doesn't work that way. But through um, some good times, bad times, horrific times, and those of you that know my story, I should have been dead 10 years ago. And uh, those of you that know my story, but this, this woman has been with me through all of that. And a lot of what we do today drives, uh, or she drives uh, the inspiration I have. So and to her and to my children, uh, Lily actually does not, if you want because I had some people ask me tonight, are you really married? We never see your wife. Um, folks, we have some Hatch Act uh, issues going on, you know, professionally to do it. So uh, she won't be involved in the campaign. She can't be. But do know that she's behind the scenes supporting me, and I'm going to need it. Because if you've never run for office, this is kind of a beatdown. I don't know if you know that. It takes a unique personality to, to be able to do this. But uh, we can do it. You know, I've been beaten by professionals. And... These these people that I'm running against are not professionals. So with that, thank you, Brett. Thank you. Hey guys. Come see me. We're going to start door knocking in about two hours. So there were the speeches from our campaign kickoff on February 18th. Folks, this is going to be a long, hard drive through November 7th, but we're going to do it. We are going to win the Senate back, and we're going to get this seat. So strap in. It's going to be a great ride, and I look forward to working with each and every one of you. Now, Check out my website, my campaign website. That's vanmeterforvirginia.com, vanmeterforvirginia.com. In there, you can find out uh, some information about my platform. You can find out a way to contact me. And, you know, folks, this is not going to be an easy thing to do financially. We need as many funds as we can get, and you can support me, support the campaign, and we would really appreciate it because we need all of the help that we can get. So with that, guys, uh, thank you for listening to this. I know we have a bright future here in Virginia, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it together. You guys take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.